You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers with Saya, Anisa, and Parma. Hello again. This is Parma, and in this episode, we are going to be talking about Yumi Cells Season One because we have a second season to look forward to next year. <laughs> So this drama ended up being probably my favorite of 2021. But sadly, when we decided to record this episode, I realized that neither of my co-hosts had finished watching Yumi Cells, though they both assured me that they absolutely intend to because they're both enjoying it. Which, of course, I mean, of course they're enjoying it. But that also meant that I didn't have a co-host for this episode, which is when just me came to the rescue. <laughs> So Jasmine had been a guest on the podcast before. She had joined us for our spoiled yak on Mr. Queen, and she had completely watched Yumi Cells. But more importantly, she had read the webtoon, which I hadn't. And I thought that would be an interesting perspective to have, since, well, at least one of us would then know how the webtoon eventually ends, because I don't. Oh, and one final thing: we created a free drama tracker for 2021, which has all the main weekday dramas released in 2021 by all major broadcast channels, including Netflix. And you can download it for free. The link is in the description. And basically, just like tick away, what have you finished watching? What is still pending? And then you will get like a final score down below. And take a screenshot of that and share it with us, because we want to see how much have you done. My screenshot and Anisa's are already on our social media on Instagram and Twitter. You can go and check it out. This episode is brought to you by Kensington's newest title by Rebecca Weatherspoon, A Thorn in the Saddle. Set on a black-owned luxury dude ranch with a fairy tale twist, this romance by Rebecca Weatherspoon captivates with a modern take on Beauty and the Beast, as a brawny rancher and a brainy beauty find themselves in a beast of a predicament. Ranch owner Jesse Pleasant always felt too big for his desert town, literally, and too brutish to fit in with his charming cowboy brothers. After his temper gets the best of him one too many times, he's ready to accept the truth. He's cursed to be alone. But when the Senate Selection Committee comes looking for a man of his public standing, he knows this might be the chance to prove to his family and friends that he can keep his cool, all the while giving back to his community. There's only one problem: while Jesse definitely has a mind for business, his people skills are more than lacking. Former tech consultant Lily Grace Larue has had it up to her hat with hot-tempered men who think they know what's best, especially a big-headed rancher set on keeping her widowed father from dating his grandmother. <laughs> But after Lily Grace learns of Jesse's soft side during a painfully awkward showing at a community date auction, one thing becomes clear: while Jesse Pleasant is not ready to run for public office, he might be ready for love. Against her better judgment and despite their rocky start, Lily Grace warms to the sparks flying between them. She never dreamed they would build their own connection, one destined for its own happily ever after. This is Parma, and I have with me just me. Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> So, Anisa was originally going to be part of this podcast, but the timing just couldn't work out. But we really wanted somebody who is familiar with the webtoons, but also has really, really been enjoying Yumi Cells. <laughs> and I knew that just me totally did because we have like a group chat, and every time anything happened, I mean, we would be chatting about Yumi Cells, and just me would be like, like reassuring me. And there was a point we are going to get into that where I wasn't sure if Yumi's character was. Well, I had some doubts, and she was like, "Wait for it. She has the arc," and she was totally right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the thing—that's the thing about Yumi Cells. It's a real people drama, you know, and that's why I, you know, I read the webtoon, and I, you know, I was watching the show, and the show shows us how people are flawed, and you know, they learn from it, and then they move on, and it's like so cool. So you'll hear lots of squealing, yeah. and <laughs> I really loved it. <laughs> Now, Yumi Cells is is absolutely my favorite drama of 2021. Yeah. I have still not watched Squid Games, but I absolutely have no doubt that it would not top this for me because in terms of like genre preferences, oh my god, this completely lives in my heart. Well, I now. agree with you. Yeah, have you? Watched I, I did watch Squid Games, but it's like a completely different genre and. 
I'll be honest, I I love Squid Games, but it was predictable as a you know as a very usual yeah. drama watcher. I and mean, it was good and it was very colorful, but Yumi Cells was unpredictable, or and it was it was so real that it felt unpredictable. So yeah, that's right. That's actually the perfect word for Yumi Cells. I could not predict almost any aspect of this story, including the way season one ended, and I was really happy with the way season one ended, which is not something I expected. Mm-hmm in this kind of genre usually. So anything that's romantic comedy-ish, I really want it. Like it has to be like a super satisfying ending, hopefully with like a happily ever after. That's what the expectation is. And Yumi Cells does this thing very convincingly where they like they shift the story away from a romantic mm-hmm. comedy and to be more like a comedy of people where people have relationships, they understand themselves better, they make mistakes, they make decisions, and all of that stuff is just, all of it is story. Every day, every moment, every decision is a story. And I've just never seen anything like it. And yes, madly in love with this drama. Can we talk about like the ending without giving a spoiler? You know how like the director's decision of that noise in the end? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I loved it. I know what you're talking about. It, my heart started pounding. You know, I felt I felt so tense, but at the same time, so relaxed. Is that what you felt yeah. as well? I, I yeah. absolutely did. And I was not expecting it. Also, that fountain yeah. shot, the circling back yeah. to that particular scene and just the division, the way they were divided, like that yeah. top shot between them walking away. It's it's actually really hard to ex- talk about that without majorly spoiling the ending, though. And the use of the noise of the water as well, for some reason. Oh, that was yeah. just... Okay, actually, let's start talking about the sound right. design okay, of this. Sound design and soundtrack. Yes. All right. <laughs> so I'll start with the the soundtrack. We usually say the shows I watch, I usually end up liking the soundtrack. But with this one, I felt the soundtrack was not only complimentary, but it improved the quality of the drama. It was making. It the was scenes. making the scenes. So whenever you had like a heart pounding scene, because let's remind you, this is a story about a woman learning how to love herself as well as love others. So every time she had like a heart pounding scene, the the music would elevate her feelings and you would feel along with her thanks to also Kim Go-Woon's great acting. Uh, So you'd have like songs like Like a Star, but also, you know, the the songs where she's just going through day-to-day life and you feel like, you know, when you're in a car and you're looking out the window and you feel how life is moving, well, that's how it felt. So, so yeah, you don't see us, but Paroma's like smiling right now. And so am I, because this is how we felt watching the show. It, it was exactly like that. I felt like they somehow managed to capture the essence of her emotions and the shifting of dynamics between the characters in the show, in yeah. the music somehow. And it, none of the OSCs felt overused. They were absolutely used exactly at the right time or not used throughout the episode if they weren't yeah, necessary. Yeah. And it's, it just takes such, I don't even know, such good sense for sound to know when to hold back on a track and when to give you just a bit of it and when to like completely flood your senses with that sound. And Yumi Cells did that over and over all 14 episodes. There, there was an episode near the middle where her and another character fight. And, you know, they zoom in on her face. And, you know, her eyes are red. And there's also like a use of the noise as well. Oh, yeah. Where you can feel the tension and how her heart is breaking and how her emotions are overflowing. I felt like that was a good use of the sound too during in the show. Yeah, that's true. So it's not just that the situational sounds were so great, but also mm, the way they use sound to shift genres within the story. Yeah. For instance, let's say in the world of the cells, mm-hmm. they shift away from they like the, each character seemed to have their own sound, right? Mm-hmm. And depending on which character's story, like which cells story it was that day or in that segment of that episode, that sound would kind of take over the world and would basically be like the underlying theme, like as long as the cells story was playing out. Of the episode. And, you know, to to bring it back to what we were saying, this is about real people. So, you know, real people story. So Yumi's cells, her cells are basically her character traits and her emotions. 
So you'll have, you know, her character trait of laziness doing chores. It'll be like a, a theme throughout the episode or the period of time in her person's life. And like in our lives, we all have period of times where we're lazy or overproductive or overstressed. So you'll have that same music, as you say, or the same sounds recurring in the episode. And then what they do, which is really smart, is that you'll see this emotion in a period of time, and then they'll bring it back later in the episodes. And you'll be like, oh, what a good callback, because that's how we are in life. Yeah. I think the closest I could bring this show to is would be like, what's that Pixar movie? Inside Out? Inside Out. It would be like the adult version of Inside Out. Yes. Also yeah. way more complex, but I completely understand the parallels. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Though I, I would have to say that it's like her cells to me were like, they are her characters. Yes. Some of them definitely are. Some of the, these cells though were just certain decisions or certain emotions that you habitually go through when you confronted with a situation. There yeah. are a series of things that happen in your mind and it happens every single time you go through that particular situation. Let's say you're buying something in the supermarket. I mean, if this is not a scene. I'm just saying the decisions that you make, the aisles that you go to first, the, you know, trying to avoid, let's say, the, the section with all the chips and snacks. You do this thing every time you go to the supermarket and it's like they manage to encapsulate things like that as like, herself having that struggle every time she does that thing and yeah yeah this is how limited my imagination is I could never even have imagined that you could create stories out of these everyday things that you go through these conflictual emotions that go through your head all the time subconsciously are portrayed and displayed in this show right in front of us so you know I've read comments everywhere saying how these cells are off-putting oh my god you know like because they're they're animation or you know it's completely different from the real people style that we're usually used to watching in k-dramas but I'm sorry the the scenes are way too cute and while I admit at first I was like okay well this is a bit weird you grow into it as you go along even in the first episode. So yeah, yeah. In the comments that I have read are largely by people who have seen clips of the cell, but haven't actually seen the drama. And they find the high pitched voices of some of the cells and their exaggerated behavior a bit weird out of context. But in the context of the actual drama, where let's say Kim Go-yoon's character Yumi is playing it completely straight, she's looking like her outward facade is just very calm and she's just trying to process a situation and inside her, her entire world is exploding and people are behaving like her cells are behaving in a frantic manner trying to figure out what her next reaction should be. And so, of Mm -hmm. course, everything is exaggerated inside her. And then they come up with an expression or a thought and she says it. That entire process that probably takes like a fraction of a second is played out for dramatic value in, you know, in the sales world. Yeah. So, yes, I mean, unless you actually watch the drama, you might find a bit off-putting, but within the drama, every, every single cell, I mean, I can't think of a single episode that wasn't just perfect. Mm -hmm. I rarely have this kind of a reaction to a drama where I can barely nitpick. I have one nitpick, but again, that's not the drama's fault. I went and kind of looked up the webtoon to see if the drama was being really faithful to the webtoon. And yeah, that was definitely something that was translated from the webtoon. And And I understand wanting to stay faithful to those aspects. Anyway, they were faithful, though. They were faithful, and I, I appreciated it. They were faithful. Yeah. Right, right. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I was happy that they were faithful, especially because Yumi Cells yeah. has been widely read, and people have, like, there's a big fan following. It would have been absurd to change things, especially change cell characters, which they would have had to, mm-hmm. to address my nitpick, which I'll get to later. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> but before that, I wanted to talk about... so. Initially, when they talked about mixing live action with cartoons, essentially, we weren't quite sure how that would come out. We, I mean, of course, like South Korean dramas have included animation and animated scenes in dramas like for quite a while. I think my first introduction to that was when in Faith, which was the great doctor, Eamon Ho's early drama, Damn That Hair. There was this entire opening sequence where they showed this montage of like thieves 
in like read like ancient Korea where there was band of thieves stealing and this entire thing was done in like just sketches on paper. It was basically cut. It was beautifully done and I was just so taken aback by how visually appealing that was. But to go from that to have basically about 30 to 40 percent of each episode be just animation is a huge leap. I don't know if another K-drama has done it. I haven't come across it yet. But they didn't just do it. This isn't just like a step on a ladder where you're getting to a place where you will finally be great. They went from practically zero to, oh my God, amazing. The top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. I don't know when they had the process where they improved step by step to get there. But I honestly can't imagine them doing like a better job of animating these characters. From the way each cell was characterized, the way they cast the actors playing each cell. The The voice actors were great. The voice actors were amazing. But also the way they were drawn. And I mean, Mm. I suppose the only thing they could have improved somewhat was the villages could have been a little, I don't know, like more detailed. But honestly, that was not even a factor. It wasn't even detailed in the the webtoon as well. So, yeah. Again, it it didn't matter. Like, I mean, again, in terms of nitpicks, this is not even my nitpick. I mean, (laughs) I can't imagine how they could have done this better is is my point. Well, now I'm curious, what is your nitpick? I want to get to it. (laughs) Uh, We'll get to it when we're talking about the relationship aspect. All right. Okay, so next I kind of want to get to is Yumi's basically, initially when we are introduced to Yumi, she is in a in a period of her life where she hasn't dated anyone in a few years, her last relationship ended with her boyfriend basically dumping her and then running away in the rain from her and her realizing that he cheated on her. Yeah. And then her realizing that he had cheated on her and that Mm -hmm. devastated her so much that she just didn't date. And she was kind of, she, she seemed as if she was in a fog in the initial few episodes, except that she had an interest in, this one character, Cheugi, I think. And he was super sweet. I honestly, so the one of the most interesting things about Yumi Cells is that I went into it not knowing who Endgame was. I mean, even though we could see Anvoyan in on the posters, it was more that Yumi Cells started as like we knew that there were multiple actors cast in the show. So it wasn't like a very definite, here's a romance between Kim Goyun's character and Ando Yung's character. It's it's like, let's see what happens. So when we went in and she was clearly interested in Joy Mino's character, Hoogie, I was like, okay, let's see what happens. And then the story started progressing and it I realized it wasn't so much about her interest in Boogie and whether these two will get together. I would have been perfectly fine if that had been a relationship we went through before moving on or something like that. But that is that is just not what they were trying to establish. They were trying to establish the emotions Yumi goes through when she has a crush on someone mm-hmm. and how she behaves around that person and how she, like her her image of herself how the world in her mind reacts. Like her love cell woke up because of her interest in her co-worker. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just something that happens because her true love finally came into her life, which would have been a very K-drama-ish thing to do. Instead, it happened because she's intensely interested in this one person. And so her love cell finally woke up after like a three-year hibernation or just, I don't know, disappearance into the ether. Yeah. Well, what I wanted to say is it's the title is called Yumi Cells. So there's a huge debate on like, you know, who's going to be endgame and you'll know who's endgame based on what if you read the webtoon or based if the writers decide to change the story. And you know what? It doesn't really matter because from the beginning of the story and in the title, they tell you this is Yumi's story. This is Yumi Cells and Yumi's emotions. So whoever she ends up with, it doesn't matter because in the end, this is her story. And they, I think they, they even spell it out for you in the last episode. And that's why it's okay. And while, you know, we're just here as an audience to enjoy the ride and to enjoy seeing Yumi mature and learn to love herself and to put herself first. So this is what happens in the story. <laughs> so after she has like this failed interest situation with Boogie, who is just not interested in her and they end up being friends, which I really just, I, I like Boogie as a character just yeah. in her own yeah. life. I also liked 
Ruby, who initially is presented as like a love rival, and then she yeah. just becomes this <laughs> annoying co-worker, but also somebody who has her own world and her own wisdom and her own abilities and her own heartbreaks. But you know what? I've seen people like her, you know, like people that I considered not necessarily love rivals, but just rivals. But in the end, it's all just in my head. And then, you know, they all they have their own world as well. So that's yeah. why I love her characters. I, I completely agree because, and it's not like she misunderstood. It's not like Kim Goyeon's character misunderstood Ruby's character or her intentions. They both were interested in the same man. Mm-hmm. But it's just that we have the tendency of casting the other person as like evil for wanting what we want. But that is not really how, you know, the reality plays out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like pretty sure that in Ruby's mind, it was Kim Goyeon who was... I'm sorry, it was Yumi who was the one who was interfering. Now, now, don't get me, I might be wrong. My memory is a bit foggy, but I think in the Webtoon door scenes where we have Ruby cells, you know, showing how Kim Go-un was evil or not. But, you know, my memory might be foggy. Anyway, continue. No, but that would make total sense. I have just started reading the Webtoon. I think I'm in just like the first chapter, but I wanted to see the style of the Webtoon. And I wanted to see just how some of the cells were drawn. And it's just the transition from paper to screen is like magic. Very, it's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so we go from that entire situation with Wookie to our you know, main romance in season one, which was with Anvo Yoon. And okay, if anybody has watched My Name or anything else with Anvo Yoon in it, they like, for instance, he was in Kairos and he was in My Private Life. He was a second lead. They're super annoying second lead, but mm-hmm. really great looking in his judo uniform. Yeah. <laughs> and he was in multiple, like if you have seen him in those dramas and you see him here, He's barely recognizable, especially in the first few episodes. I did not know he was in my private life. And then I'm like, (laughs) oh, retroactively. Oh, okay. I see it. Oh, right. (laughs) Completely different character. (laughs) Completely different look. Like, I mean, just how did he get that lean? (laughs) Just how changing a person's hair and putting like a god-awful French beard on a person can make them look like a totally... I did not recognize him. And... Because I wanted to go into the show without preconceived notions, I didn't look up any of the actors beforehand. So it took me a couple of episodes to be like, I know this guy. I know his face. Where do I know him from? To going like, oh my God. The evil guy in Itaewon <laughs> class. You're like, oh shoot. And Kairos. <laughs> oh God. And then completely a super sweetheart in my name. Mm. Okay, so... I haven't gotten to that part in the webtoon where Kuwung enters the scene. So I have no idea how how much, I don't know, heart space he was supposed to take up in, in the order, you know, in, in the reader's experience. Like, was he supposed to like overwhelmingly take over your heart and want you like to start super shipping him with Yumi? Because the show created... This character who has pretty much like blown our expectations of what a romantic relationship can be. But but he's still flawed. Exactly. Like, I'll cut you off yeah, at that sure. point. Because at first, you know, my heart was like, you know, I got butterflies in my stomach from, you know, just by how swoony he was. But, you know, as the show went on, we would see flaws, like actually big flaws. And that's, I remember like writing to you about it, like where he wouldn't communicate and, you know, there'd be like a, someone who would get in between their relationship and he wouldn't say out, you know, outwardly, you know, this is not okay. And I'm sorry, if you're going to live with someone, if you're going to marry someone and have a long lifetime commitment with them, you have to communicate. So for me, even if this person is super swoony and have the right mind and right place, but if you know their air, they have too much pride or if they don't speak up, then I'm, that's a big red flag. And that's when I started to see, okay. And how Yumi as well started to see he might not be the person and that might be okay. Yeah. So yeah. that is the magic of this drama that they they made us like listen even the last episode I I am I was still Suni for yeah Wong, but that didn't make me doubt Yumi's decision I was no. I was with the girl 
because yeah. we saw their relationship develop we saw her try we saw him try we saw we, fell, their we fell in love with him yeah and also fell out of love with him while kind watching of. the show right i mean yeah. it, you know that moment where she's like we need to take a break and yeah he i mean the kind of episode ends then the next episode starts with his perspective like how he went into that walk kind of already knowing that that is what the conversation was going to be about mm-hmm. and like he really didn't want it to end but he also felt like it was unfair that she was bringing it up but then i mean it's just the way they crafted the whole it wasn't even like a final thing there like it this was just there we need some time apart conversation right and yeah. i think part of me kept hoping that something will change and he will realize it or maybe she will decide to compromise because one thing that yumi sir taught me pretty early on is that this drama is less about meeting your perfect soulmate and more about meeting a person you really really connect with and then adjusting to each other yeah 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 which is a story i'm all down for and i was really really hoping that kuvung would just just stop with his not telling her things stop with putting his pride above everything else stop hurting her feelings because he just won't open his mouth and like okay one one thing that they kept doing throughout the story and i just this is this is the kind of storytelling i love with guwong anytime there was a fight or a confrontation he needed to explain something to yumi to make things better he would have like his analytical brain like he would come up with his entire i think his analytical self he would and come up with everything no, no no so so his love cell would come in and be like this is too long take this out take yeah. this out and basically a three paragraph explanation becomes one line which yeah. explains nothing much and doesn't mm-hmm. show the earnestness that's actually in his heart and doesn't it it just so many things remain unresolved because he doesn't explain things but you know but you know what mm. yumi yumi grew and he although he grew he did not learn from the speaking up and the pride issue yeah. and he could not grow up from that and you know and that in the end is what was his like faults yeah and in season two without spoiling maybe he'll learn you know maybe he'll come back or maybe he'll learn from his pride and come back you know mm-hmm. like this is a ongoing process of growing <laughs> up but see that's why he was not perfect for her because he did not learn she learned how to love herself and to know when things were wrong but he did not learn how to speak up or to you know put his pride aside and you know and in, in the end when he was like hey it's not fair that she wants to break up with me for me he's just like a little boy you know yeah. not knowing that he did wrong he tried to sweet talk her and that was not okay i don't know if you agree with that <laughs> I, i do agree with that <laughs> yeah the, but we still love him we still love him, still love him. <laughs> and, and i think one of the reasons we still love him aside from the fact that Anboyon completely killed it because he's earnest. Yes, but also we can see into his mind. We can see yeah. that he genuinely loves Yumi, but the way his personality is, he will default to putting himself before her over mm-hmm. and over and over again. And eventually, I think am, am I misremembering this or I think like towards the very end, she becomes yeah. like the priority for him, like on on the ledger yeah. board of priorities inside his brain. she did become the priority but he still did not learn how to speak up that's true but part of me kind of thinks and this wasn't very clear towards the ending which i kind of think was deliberately left vague because the showrunners didn't want us to know if he's coming back and if he is coming back is he the end game we don't know all of that and i think this was deliberately kept mm-hmm. vague but i got the sense that the final breakup and guys yeah this is a spoiler i put it in the intro it's <laughs> it's spoilery yeah. the final breakup yeah. where he is like i think we're too different and we should you know end things I think he did that for her. I I think it she, Yeah, yeah, I think so because too. Because she was his priority. Yeah. Can I I also want to bring back when you were saying that Yumi says I think you know we should take some time apart and you were hoping that there might be something that he says but you know what I was hoping as well but at the same time I was okay if he didn't say anything. I was like on the fence and that's why when yeah. Yumi at the end and last episode said whatever he says I'll just go with it. I was okay with that as well. I didn't want her to mm-hmm. fight it, you know? That was my opinion, yeah. my personal opinion. 
No, I, I agree. And if you look at the larger mm-hmm. arc of the two of them, from the moment they met till the moment things ended, there was this, this flipping of, not personalities, but like flipping of the way they treated themselves. In that Gumung had always been kind of selfish in certain ways and prioritized himself and, and his pride was above everything else. Whereas Yumi... When she fell in love with someone, her pride was a little lower and she would prioritize the other person. But by the end of the drama, it was it has shifted yeah. somewhat to a healthier balance where she could prioritize herself. She became her own number one. Her pride finally stopped her like in that. And, and I love that final struggle, you know, where in the cells world, the love cell is like standing on a cliff and she's standing there with the, you know, the breakup card on her hand and she just can't throw it. She can't throw it. And then she calls up like the pathetic cell and she's like, just, just beg for us. Like, just make him stay. And then just as he's about to do that, the pride cell comes out and it's like, you are no longer the primary cell. Give me the card. And that shifting of her, just herself like where, and I always found it really, okay, so this is one of my nitpicks, I apparently have two, is that her primary cell was love. Everybody else got a cell that had something to do with like the direction in their life, something they truly enjoyed, something they wanted to be. And her primary cell was love, who's, who was only happy when she was in a relationship. But that's how, that's how her character was flawed. That's not a nitpick on the show, but that's how she is. And that's how she learned that it was wrong. I, I love that. Agreed, agreed. It's, it's not a nitpick exactly. It's something that I was struggling with initially. Like, why is her primary cell love? And, and honestly, it was prejudice built up from watching too many romantic K-dramas where, yeah, the heroine's primary cell being love would be an acceptable and virtuous thing, you know? And I kind of thought they were going around the same path. They were like, yeah, so she's the heroine. Of course, her primary cell is love. She just, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Okay, to be subversive, her housekeeping cell is not so good at their work. They're modern day woman done. I loved it. (laughs) It was great, I know. (laughs) But you know what I mean? I thought it was, I thought it was cliched. But oh my God, I didn't realize that the entire story was about how she changes inside through this relationship. And the enormous, like she's changing as a person. Things are shifting inside her. But like the outside, the conflicts don't look that enormous. No. Like her fights with Guwung are never huge. The her disappointments or heartbreaks are very internalized. And like the world around her, like if a third person watches her life, they would not see too much conflict or anything ground shattering happening. But like she's changing as a person yeah. in this one year of her relationship. And I want to I cut you for like, you know, when he, we're saying that Yumi has changing for the better. I felt mm-hmm. like Guwong was getting more toxic as the show went on. Like she started to put herself first and he started to, you know, at a certain point he's homeless and she mm. asks him to move in with her. And, you know, he doesn't want to because of his pride, but he just lets it go. He lets stuff build up inside him. So I feel like while she was getting better, he was getting more toxic. And you see, that's how that's how people are. You know, sometimes yeah. we, we grow for the better and sometimes we don't learn. And we get worse. Can we talk about the the, the other guy? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we kind of have to at this point. Yeah. Okay. So you, Bobby, or Bobby, played by Park Jin Young. Yeah. I kind of thought he was going to be the generic second lead. <laughs> Not having read the webtoon, <laughs> I didn't know where things were going. I love how he was introduced as just like a blank <laughs> slate, and then oh. Yes. Okay. Uh, he's actually a guy that's handsome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like she only notices him once it's established that he has a girlfriend. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, he's safe. And then suddenly her world shifts and she notices him as a person. <laughs> I, I love that because this is how I see people as well. Sometimes when you see like someone as a, a not say as a perspective, significant other, you look at them differently than if you see them as a 
as a human without, you know, feelings or anything, right? Or am I? Am I <laughs> no, I, I know. No, no, no. I know what you mean in, in that we meet a lot of people, like if not every day, then every week or every month, we come across people, we walk by them, we interact in small ways. You don't register every yeah. person. I mean, even if somebody is like really like, I don't know, visually appealing, who walks by, you, it's just not something that stays in your yeah. memory for a while. So if you look back, they would all just be faceless people. Mm -hmm. However, if you are making a connection with someone and in Yumi's way of thinking of the world, as soon as Yubabi told her that he found an umbrella she used to really love, and also that, you know, he has a girlfriend, he suddenly became this not just safe person, like who will not be hitting on her, <laughs> but a literal girlfriend. Yes, like you are potentially, you know, my friend. Now you have saved my umbrella. And, and they literally just, dress him up as a girl. And she, uh, do you remember? Like she, she, he was dressed up as a girl, you know, like now she sees him as a girlfriend, literally. And I loved how their dynamic so I enjoyed the conceit, like how that happened, because Yumi is a bit conservative in that she couldn't really imagine like, can you be friends with an attractive guy your own age? Like he like being colleagues with someone is one thing, but being actual friends where you don't have any reason to otherwise communicate. So she tried to picture him as a girl and think of all of their interactions as if it was happening with Yubabi, the woman, instead of Yubabi, an attractive guy who seemed eerily interested in her. And she was like, yeah, that, that seems perfectly normal. Maybe I'm, I'm putting too much meaning into his every action, which is kind of how she started getting very comfortable with him. So they literally... Yeah, and, and it's kind of obvious he is interested in her. Yes. yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she's a Nuna. If I remember the red, the the webtoon, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, that's actually that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, even I think in terms of the actor's age, I think Kim Go Yoon is older, slightly yeah. older than yeah. Yubabi. I don't know. If they're gonna change it in the in the story, but I'm pretty sure she's a Nuna. Yeah, so it's a different dynamic as well. So, like, if like completely disconnecting the webtoon version of Yubabi from this version, mm -hmm. what do you think of Park Ji Young? Like, we have all like fallen head over heels in love with Anbo Hyun. Huge shoes to fill. Mm -hmm. If indeed I, we don't actually know what they're going to end up doing in season two, but like, if that is just from this perspective of the first season, I'm yes. saying that he has better communication skills than than Gu Wong. Mm -hmm. He is not yet spoony, but, you know, he's not in that role yet. But, you know, I feel like he has more things in common on a base ground with Yumi mm -hmm. than Gu Wung's character. And that's why I liked him. And that's why when, you know, we started to see Wung screw up in a certain aspects, I used to tell myself, well, at least we have Yu Babi here on the side who seems to He's going through a breakup just like Yumi is. And he also seems to be the guy who puts love first instead of, you know, pride first. So I feel like they are probably the same person in girl and boy form. And that's why I think they could be a good pair. And I'm hoping to see them get together in season two. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of disagree. I don't disagree, but I kind of see Yubabi in a in, in a slightly different way. So, of course, I mean, he's not in a love interest role in this season. Yet. He's not yeah. even mm -hmm. in the ballpark of that. He's kind of like a colleague yeah. who's somewhat interested in Yumi's life and mm -hmm. clearly kind of likes her. Mm -hmm. But... Also, I think they're too similar. <laughs> like one of the things okay. I actually liked about Koo Wong and Yumi together is that their differences made for both more comedy and more conversation. And it created, I don't know, a dynamic that was fun for us to watch. I don't know if it would actually be fun to be in a relationship like that. Well, I can't answer you because then it would be like a spoiler of the webtoon. Okay, so okay, okay, okay. <laughs> from, from that perspective, yes, I agree, but... Maybe that's why maybe they he might not be endgame, but they are similar. And I like, I mean, that's why he could be a good candidate. You know what? I I, I do like this, this thing right now that we are doing where we don't know if Yubabi is, <laughs> is going to end up being like the male second lead or if he's going to be the endgame. Or if, I mean, I can imagine season two, if Anboyun comes back, 
and like if he's the end game or if he's the second lead there is going to be major fan wars uh, or there might be a third guy <gasps> just <laughs> or that might happen we don't know we, we don't it doesn't matter though like we keep saying because this is her story and she needs to love herself and she doesn't need anyone that's true but uh, it would be nice to have <laughs> i can't <laughs> I highly agree. You know, towards the end, one of my favorite scenes was when she goes back and reads her diaries. And she has traditionally mostly written in her diaries when she's not in a relationship. Like during her relationship period, she completely forgets her diaries. Once she is like back in her singlehood, she looks back in her diaries and sees her thoughts and feelings. And most of them are like, I'm so bored. I'm so lonely. I hope in a year's time, I'm with the one that I love. And it's like she reads this and and she has gone through her 20s and a couple of breakups through that. And she's filled up her diaries. But in her early 30s, now when she's gone through a serious breakup with a guy she clearly really loved, she's looking through like she's not even gone through the actual breakup. They were in a in the break period. She's like she's reading these very calmly. And she's like, well, <laughs> I I wrote all this. (laughs) And also, it's like, you know, you can almost see that Yumi has grown up from when she wrote her last diary entries and that she's learned to reflect on herself. I felt like she cringed at herself and I cringed along with her at her old feelings. And I I did like that scene. Yeah, it showed how, how much she had improved. Now, like looking back at if she had read these diaries in episode one, I would not have cringed with her because she would have yeah. been the same character. Agreed. I completely agree. And also, it, it's the here is something that I have never really understood in real life is I have friends around me who do feel like Yumi feels when she's not in a relationship. Like they feel a bit lost. Yeah. And they feel really lonely. And... I don't get that. <laughs> I really enjoy my own mm-hmm. company. I really love being with my friends. Like talking to you right now is of course like way more fun than the previous one hour of like sitting with myself and working was. But <laughs> my point is mm-hmm. that I know that as a like the way I am, I don't know what it's like to feel the way Yumi does when she's not in a relationship. But the drama explained it to me really well. Like they literally showed us like what her state was before she got into a relationship. And we had several episodes. I think about the first three episodes were Yumi going through like her crush, new crush and that disappointment. But also hysteria. Yeah. But that that thing where because her crush didn't work out, like her sense of self practically started dissolving. And that is that is an over-exaggerated reaction to something that I mean is definitely disappointing and hurtful but like shouldn't be affecting your 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 mind to that extent I don't think well okay well maybe because I'm a different person from you it is an over exaggeration but some people are like that you know I've seen people like that and that's how they react to you know like being validated by love by another person that you like brings validation and gives you confidence so when if that doesn't happen you lose all your sense of self and so in a sense the show is is you know deep in that way and that's why I think it's a a show that could resonate with like lots of people and that changes right like so which is the reason I bring this up is because this was when things didn't work out with her co-worker Wookie Mm -hmm. which was like she had a serious crush on him but it wasn't like Serious emotions weren't involved. But a sense of self was like shaken up, like to the point where she was like crying and it was just horrible. But then when the breakup with Gubung happened, and that's also devastating, and that's far more devastating because she's really invested herself Mm -hmm. in it. She was a lot. There was less hysteria. There was less hysteria. There was a sense of calm. I felt like she was deliberately choosing herself. And it was a level of choice that I don't think. Yumi had ever given herself before because I could see her like in my mind's eye going through previous relationships and always towards the end even if she knew it had to end she would try to hold on because she would try to keep the Mm -hmm. loneliness at bay and probably because her you know primary cell was the love cell which by the end of the drama made total sense to me like how her primary cell being the love cell was why she would always try to keep love in her life even when it was hurting her. Yeah. And that 
that by the way that that passing off of the card to the pride cell i don't know if that mm-hmm. necessarily shifts her primary cell from the love cell to the pride cell that i don't think that is quite what happens we'll, we'll see if, yeah that's not how i interpreted it i think i remember her love cell always being the prime cell but you know her priorities change yeah. But it's been a while since I've read the webtoon. So we'll have to see in season two. But we do know that she is a much better person than she was at the beginning. And I love uh, her. I, I <laughs> love Do Me Two Bits at the end. Like, I felt like I had an entire evolution <laughs> while watching her evolve. <laughs> and it's just yeah. the final thing that I want to talk about that relationship is that I liked that there was never this one horrible thing that happened that led to the breakup. It was not that Goobung went and cheated. It was not that like she was horribly humiliated by him. It was nothing so dramatic and nothing so final. This was one of those breakups where if your friends come to you and are like, why did you break up with him? You guys were so in love. You would not be able to explain. But it was wrong. I agree. But remember how there was the girl who got in between the relationship, Sei? And he technically told her, like, you know, to go away. But after a while, they started talking. And then it seemed like Yumi knew about this. Did something happen in between? Was it just my head? So I don't think Yumi actually knew that he started talking to her. Yeah, but that was primarily because of work. And he clearly didn't tell Yumi because he hid stuff from Yumi all the time if he thought she would not react well to it, which was kind of part of their big problem. And that's exactly yeah. what I liked. The girl, I forget what her name was, saying was not the problem. Yeah. The problem was mm-hmm. him constantly hiding things to avoid conflict with her because he just didn't mm-hmm. want to bother. And yeah. that in and of itself is a big red flag. I mean, unless yeah. you're willing to work through it. No. Yeah, which he which he I would <laughs> I mean that I would I would feel like how how can you trust the person, you know? What if there's something big? If he says it's big, it's not big, well sure, but you don't you you don't know everything, right? It does hurt your trust in the okay. person. So <laughs> so that's where we are. This was a long conversation, but I mm-hmm. I just wanted to talk to someone about how much I loved you myself so much. Yeah. And this was such a unique drama and it's going to stay with me for such a long time. Oh, the nitpick that I wanted to talk about oh, yes. before we end this. The network was basically the distribution of genders in the cell world. In Yumi's world, oh. there was like an equal distribution of male and female cells. Though it was a bit mm-hmm. archetypical where reason was a male cell and sentiment was a female cell. I mean... Oh my goodness, I did not look into that. I just thought, okay. Like, you know, like pride, like the prudish cell and then creativity, these were female cells and you had like the, mm-hmm. the naughty cell being a boy cell, the naughty cell in the underwear. <laughs> Which mm-hmm. by the way, just the existence of the naughty cell was just, I was so <laughs> thrilled because, oh, oh, how did we not mention this? Okay, I'll come back to my nitpick. You know that first mm-hmm. time when Yumi visits Guwong's apartment and she kind of imagines oh, him in yeah. the shower? Oh, I love that. That was way more <laughs> X-rated than I I had ever seen K dramas do, like in a woman's imagination. Wow, that was. <laughs> it was so cute. I'm sorry. <laughs> it just killed me. That was yeah. I mean, totally, totally how it would probably go down. But also, I did not expect the drama to actually, you know, be that realistic. So back to my nitpick. But if you move on to Gu Wong's mind, where, of course, he is yeah. all, you know, analytical and reasonable and then has he has naughty sorrows rampaging all over the town, which is mm-hmm. very much how we kind of stereotype men, though. I mean, they are either all reason yeah. or they are all like mindless, you know, drones, drones. I don't mindless drones. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, like they are either driven by like their sexual urges or they're totally analytical. Which uh, is exactly how Gu Wong's brains was kind of described. Yeah, which, yeah. Um, it was really fun the way they showed it. Of course, every interaction was fun. The writer, the original, I forgot the name of the original webtoon writer. But I think it's, she's a, is a woman. So maybe no, no, that's why. That, that That's fine. I don't think it, her being a woman is why he was stereotyped. I think it was... Mm-hmm. It's simply the social stereotypes that kind of exists. Or maybe it's, I, I cannot speculate about that. But because the webtoon had like those were the original characters, like in in Gu Wong's brain, all characters were male, like all cells were male. Mm-hmm. 
for what reason? I mean, if you, I don't know, you don't need to get biological about this, but seriously, men are the one who have X and Y chromosomes. Women have just X chromosomes. So I guess, that's so true. I mean, if you're going <laughs> to... They could have at least, I don't know, made a few cells a bit more feminine. Even a feminine is not a good adjective. I don't know, female. I mean, if, if you <laughs> had to gender Yumi's cells, you might as well have gendered, you know, like properly given different aspects of him, different genders. But but I think it just added to the stereotype of how a male thinks. I think that's why it was done that way. I think it was subconscious. It may have been that. So, but this was definitely how the original yeah. webtoon was. So screenwriters adapting that to screen, I, I can't no. blame the drama for it. So as I said, the nitpick wasn't for drama so much, but for yeah. the original webtoon. Because I mean, but again, it's a nitpick because at the end of the day, the adaptation was so good. That it's no. not a real flaw. Just something that I had to point out because it was bugging me. <laughs> yeah. The hair cell, you know, that was very stereotypical. And then so he's like a frat boy. But anyway. <laughs> I agree. Cool. So that was our discussion of Yumi Cells. We are both really, really excited about season two. When does it come out? Do we know when it comes out? I think it was the uh, end or beginning 2022. Oh, that's not too far away. That's excellent. <laughs> I might be wrong. Like I keep saying this, but the memory here of there is is not is not what it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they, it's to be announced. We don't actually know yet. They're filming it right now. Yeah, so I'm assuming beginning 2022 actually makes a lot of sense, especially because right now, like unless you're doing a hospital playlist, which is just like this 24 hour thing, <laughs> it's huge. Usually these seasons, Korean drama seasons still come pretty close together. Yeah. Okay, that was our discussion. Thank you so much, just me for joining. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Are there any social media handles you want to shout out? I'm on Twitter, just epicness. You can follow me there. Okay, so you can find just me on Twitter at Just Epicness. We will link to her handle in the description. You can find Dramas Over Flowers on Twitter at Dramas Overflow. You can find me, Parma, at Festa Faster. You can also follow us on Instagram at Dramas Over Flowers underscore. You can find our website, dramasoverflowers.net. You can find us on Facebook. You can sign up for our newsletter. The link's down below. Thank Yay. you for joining us. Bye. Bye. Dramas Over Flowers is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.